Hello and welcome to another episode of our Brabner's Family Law Podcast. My name is Molly Chataway and today I am joined by Family Law Barrister Chris Butterfield of 29 Bedford Row Chambers, who will be talking to us today about international relocation with a child. Hello, Chris. Hello, Molly. Thank you very much for having me and it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, that's good to hear. Well, well, thank you for agreeing to to talk with me today. Um, it's really good to have somebody on the podcast with such a wealth of experience in international children law. So I thought it would be helpful to start right at the beginning of this topic, Chris. So please, could you tell me a bit about the process or steps that a parent should take if they want to relocate overseas with their child? Specifically, um, does there always need to be some kind of involvement with the court? Well, most fundamentally, the parent who wants to move overseas needs to get the permission either of the other parent or of the court. To move with children abroad without that consent is likely to be a criminal offence. It certainly will be a criminal offence if the other parent has parental responsibility even if they don't, I would always advise a client to get consent because if they don't, it's likely to backfire at a later date. Um, but it's a very sensitive topic to raise and I think parents that are wishing to relocate should never underestimate the strength of feeling that a request to move overseas is likely to engender in the other parent. The courts have quite rightly described these cases as some of the most difficult that they have to determine because the effects, the impact on the children can be very significant, particularly the impact um, on their relationship with the left behind parent if they move halfway around the world. Also the impact on a parent who's refused permission to move overseas, perhaps refused permission to go back and live near their parents can be equally significant. So they can be very emotionally charged cases. So before approaching the other parent and asking for permission to relocate, you really need to think through your proposals carefully. There's a whole host of things to think about, accommodation, education, healthcare, um, finances, and in particular, proposals for contact between the children and the parent that's left behind. So all of that needs to be thought through really before you're asking for consent. And then you ask, does the court need to be involved? No, the basic principle is that parents can resolve issues between themselves. And indeed, the whole process is now set up to try and encourage parents to resolve issues between themselves. So there's nothing stopping parents discussing these issues directly between themselves or negotiating through solicitors and or perhaps using alternative dispute resolution such as mediation to try and reach a an agreement without going through what can be very expensive and emotionally charged court proceedings. But if agreement is reached outside court, it's vital that that agreement is reduced to writing. The agreement in writing needs to be very clear that what is agreed is a permanent relocation, not a temporary trip. And ideally, it should also set out the arrangements for the children to see the parent that's left behind. And in many cases, even if matters are agreed outside court, it would be good practice to have that agreement recited in a court order. 
Um, and it's very, there's a very straightforward process for applying to court for a consent order in those sort of circumstances. So you know, absolutely parents should be encouraged to reach agreement and court should very much be seen as a last resort. Great, I'm sure that's reassuring for a, for a lot of parents out there as well. Um, so um, if, it, if, it, if we do go down the court proceeding route, what kind of factors do the court take into account when considering applications from the parent wishing to relocate? And, and also in what sort of circumstances would it be opposed? To answer the last question first, maybe the type of circumstance where it's opposed, it's usually opposed by parent left behind who fears that the a move will impact his or her relationship with the children. Perhaps the parent has been seeing the children every other weekend or during the week after school and a move will mean that they can only see the children once or twice a year and will be largely reliant on FaceTime contact. So for very understandable reasons, parents who are going to be left behind don't want their children moving halfway around the world. And it's usually that that motivates uh, a refusal. So the approach of the court um, has changed quite significantly over the last 10 or 11 years. Historically, courts put a lot of weight on a parent's proposals reasonable proposals to move overseas and also on the likely impact of a refusal of an application to relocate overseas. And that at times historically has almost meant that there was a presumption in favour of granting applications to relocate. But in the last decade or so, the shift has very much been towards looking at what is in the children's best interests, what us lawyers call the paramountcy principle i.e. that the children's welfare is the court's paramount consideration. So that involves looking not only at the proposals to move, but also on the effect of a move, the change that's likely to happen in the child's life, um, including the effect on the children's relationship with the parent that's left behind. And so it's perhaps a little more difficult now than it used to be to get permission from courts, although still, I think statistically, the majority of applications are granted. Applications are likely to be refused by the court if they're not properly thought through and not properly evidenced. We talked in the beginning of the podcast about the need to think about the whole range of factors, housing, education, healthcare, and so on. Um, and if those haven't been properly thought out, the application is likely to be refused. Secondly, an application is likely to be refused if a court thinks that a parent is wanting to move in order to harm the other parent's relationship with the children. So if a parent wishing to move has been consistently difficult about allowing the children to maintain a relationship with the other parent since a separation or a divorce, a court is unlikely to permit that parent to move halfway around the world where it's going to be even more difficult to maintain the relationship with the other parent. But every case turns on its own facts and the court has to look at the effect on the children of moving against the effect of on the children of being refused permission to move. And as I say, every case is individual. So for example, I've had one case where a mother wanted to relocate to the United States 
child had particular health needs and practically it wasn't going to be possible for her to get health cover for the child in the United States that covered the child's pre-existing conditions. And so for that reason, amongst others, the court refused her application to relocate overseas. So every case is different, but I've set out there, I think, some, some examples of when they're likely to be granted and when they're not. No, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, okay, so if a parent is successful in their application to relocate, are there any other practical steps that they should consider taking in the country that they, they have relocated to? Well, I think both parents need to give consideration to what steps need to be taken in the other country. They can, they can often be more important for the parent that's left behind because it's all very well getting an English court order saying that Joe and Jill will see dad twice a year during the summer holidays and at Christmas and will have FaceTime contact three times a week. But if that order is not enforceable in the country that the children are moving to, then it's not worth the paper it's written on. So it's vital to get proper legal advice on this because it varied the what needs to be done varies from country to country. Um, but often it may be necessary to secure what we call a mirror order in the other country, which in effect means registering the English order overseas to make sure that the English order is enforceable there. Um, so the left behind parent might want to try to delay the move until the mirror order is registered. That can be difficult because in many countries there are very lengthy delays in registering mirror orders. So an alternative might be to seek a financial bond to be paid by the parent who's moving, only to be repaid once the mirror order is registered overseas. But that is a, a vital consideration to make sure that um, the parent left behind has that protection. Oh, of course, of course. Okay, great. Well, I think that the final uh, question that I wanted to ask you today um, was, was more about the, the consequences of a parent relocating without the consent of the other parent or the courts. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you could answer that, that, that would be great. Well, there are quite significant consequences of relocating without permission. Firstly, a parent who does that is likely to be guilty of a criminal offence. I think, again, we discussed it right back at the beginning of the podcast, but they're likely to be guilty of an offence under the Child Abduction Act. Secondly, we have um, a series of international treaties that enable the return of children who are abducted um, fairly swiftly and easily from many countries. So if a child, uh, if a parent does relocate without permission, that is an abduction and they're likely to face a, a pretty quick order ordering the children to return back to England so that the English courts can properly consider the children's welfare. So that's the second implication. The third is that if the courts then do look at what is in the children's best interests, the fact that a parent has abducted the children and moved without permission is unlikely to find favour with the court and it may very well um, be part of the court's consideration of whether it's in the children's best interest to move. So it's likely to harm a parent's position in any um, in any future proceedings. So the, the 
consequences are potentially very serious, which is why it's so important at an early stage for the parent to seek permission from the other parent and to either get that permission or then apply to the court. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for talking um, to me today. Um, I think that draws the podcast to a close. Um, so thank you for listening to this episode all about international relocation. And once again, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Molly.